You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul discusses the implications of the creation of human beings out of the dust of the ground. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Scripture has to be a kind of or video, unedited by you, and this is what theology does. It edits the video. It's still a video. Theology is very good at videos, but it's a video edited by you, whereas scripture is its own video. You have chapter one, and then chapter two, and chapter three, and chapter four. And when you keep going back and forth, you enter really, not just deeply, really in the story. And we all experience this with major writings. Let's say a play. How many times people go and spend another $200 to go down to New York City and watch the play or a book? I met a lot of children who keep reading Harry Potter. There you go. Why don't we do this in scripture? But we have to do it the way the children or the serious readers do. They start rereading as though they have not read before the text to follow the story. And that's my invitation today on the basis of these two words that are already two couples that are already from the beginning, the Toho and Bohu, and then the Afar, plus, if you like, the ashes, and so on. So, blessing and curse are two sides of the same coin, as we hear in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They have the same source. It is God. You cannot bless yourself or curse yourself. That's a fallacy. Like, you know, in theology. Those who go to heaven is by God's blessing, and those who go to hell is by their own doing. That's too platonic. It is always the doing of God. But he has a basis, and the basis is how you respond to his command, and that's why, as we have established, very early you have the law. The first interaction between God and the human being in Genesis 2 is a command. You don't have a conversation, followed very soon by a judgment in chapter 3. Okay, You don't have a conversation. But the same thing will happen later with the declaration of the law. How many times you hear me say, I mean, can you imagine God is on the mountain, no one can see him and say, but we didn't ask him questions. I have a question. There are no questions to be asked. He makes his statement, but then the curse becomes functional at the end. No one of those who left Egypt enters the land. (laughs) On which basis? On the basis of what he said on the mountain. 
that's why and I would like to end with this, which is so important for me and it is shoved aside by all theologies that stress always the Exodus. Notice how the Orthodox, when they speak about Pascal, the Exodus, the Exodus. No. God sent Moses to bring out the people to this mountain. The entrance into the land is 40 years later and none of them enters. You don't hear this, for instance, in the sermons at Pascha in the Orthodox Church, and I don't want to speak about other churches, they are no better. It's an assumption on your part, it's a leap, as though you are in control. In other words, this is what theology does. This is the plan of God, and we implement it. Notice from your announcement on the website or the pulpit. The five-year plan for our parish is going to be, and so on. And you plan it. And then you do it. And then you say, we did the will of God. That's a big joke. Okay? So I decided to spend some extra time on this issue and show you the parallelism between these two clusters, the Tohubohu and then the Afar. So, Father, this is an amazing point about how the human being was created precisely from the dust, from these particles, as you say, and you mentioned so much about the gathering and the bringing together. Could you just talk a little bit more about the implications of the human being being created from these particles, from this dust? As we say in America, thank you for your question. <laughs> Not bad. I don't like the expression, that's a good question, assuming that the others are not good. No. Yes, in 2.7, let's hear it. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, in the Hebrew, out of the dust of the ground. Okay. There is a connection in the original. The dust is the dust of the ground. Let's hear it in the Hebrew. It's very powerful. You know, in the English you see of dust from the ground. But the from, out of, in the original text is before ha'adama. So the original sound like this. He formed ha'adam, the man, dust from the Adama. It cannot be more forceful. In other words, what is Adam according to Genesis 2.7? He is dust that is from the ground. It cannot be more impressive than that. And in this sense, it parallels fully. Actually, now I would like to stress more. It parallels fully the Tohu and Bohu, because in Genesis 1-2, you hear that the earth was Tohu and Bohu. That's what it is. That's what you are. Now, if you can play on that and say your body is made out of atoms and so on to explain to the children, be my guest. But the main point is not to start a lecture on the atoms and the molecules. The main thing is to remind the hearer that this is what the original text is stating, that the earth, which is our world, is 
tohu and bohu by definition. And the Adam is by definition afar. And thus, when the time comes for the curse, because the creation and the formation of the human being is something positive, you can't expect something negative. But in the Bible, the negative is already there, the way it will be in the law. Curse, blessing, or blessing and curse. You have this way and that way in the same statement, in the same chapter. This is how the end function. It's like tohu and bohu. You can eliminate bohu. Tohu is enough. And I'm saying that technically when you're hearing the law and there will be blessing for you, you don't need to add curse. It is already assumed because the blessing comes from God. Now, functionally, this becomes important in conjunction with what I mentioned earlier at Easter where we have in our Orthodox tradition baptism and so on, and you are renewed. You have always to stress to the people that you are dandling from the palm of God. How many times you heard me tell the people, you know, there has to be clean water and so on. I mean, it doesn't matter because the priest is going to spoil the water. He, in his words, is going to introduce Satan in the waters out of which you will be saved. That's the silliness of it. Make sure it's clean where you're going to put oil. How many times I tell the parents, make sure your children, they can come close, but not too close because there is oil. And you have to be realistic. This is what you're talking about. And then at the end, if the person, and you say it in your prayer, would follow your rules, then he will accede to the kingdom. The same thing as we explain, and it is true, why the crowning at the... I mean, obviously, it had to do with the emperor and so on. But functionally, in our text, is that the crowns, the priest takes them after one week, and then he will say, you will collect them from God at the end. So I would like to stress this, especially for my people, the Orthodox, and I'm a cradle Orthodox, that it is there. It was caught powerfully, but slowly on, we start stopping the movie. Let me say, the exodus and the law would be, it's like most interesting TV shows, which I'm watching now on TV. There is always part one and part two. And if you're watching a British TV show, part one is one and a half hours, and part two is another one and a half hours. Now, to stop at the end of part one, that's not the story. And the same thing applies to the exodus and the giving of the law. Especially that scripture is already announcing that there is a part one and part two. That's what I like about it. I'm going to send you to bring these people to this mountain. It's very clear. And anyway, I can add this as a third if you like, parallel to the Tohu and Bohu, and then the Afar, and then the story of the Exodus and the law. And then when you enter the land, you are reminded of the Exodus by crossing waters again. But there is a new story now. 
Okay, already you have to remember the curse. That's why the law is read upon arrival. So it's really something very important for us not to assume anything beyond that God is the just judge, as Paul stressed in Romans 3, and put your hope in that. Not so much in part of his promise, and that is the calamity of all traditions, and not only Christians. The good things you apply to us, and the bad things you apply to them. <laughs> Forgetting that you do not apply anything. It is God that applies. And on the basis of his application, you are defined whether you are us or they. <laughs> You're not we before the judgment. And Daniel is very clear on that. Father Paul, your comments about the blessing and the curse reminded me of this saying that you've actually talked about before, that you have to keep your mind in hell, but not despair, in the sense that you're entering the promised land, but there's still always the threat of judgment. You're never ever in the clear. There's always this tension. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Let's go to Joshua, because this is a central book, as you remember from my commentary, and it's totally misunderstood, is that, okay, Joshua destroyed all the Canaanite cities, and then he preserved some or built new ones, and then later David will do the same in Solomon. But the trouble in the Bible that why should you be building, we add the word, other cities or renewed cities instead of the other cities? The only totally new city is the coming Zion, that's all. But all the other cities are cities. And all you have to do is to read Joshua and Ezekiel, and I showed you in both my commentaries how these two books are interconnected. Very powerful. You have already in Joshua something very strange. It appears once in Genesis 11, Shinar, Shinar, and then it disappears. Well, it's mentioned another time in Genesis, you know. But then in Joshua, out of the blue, that this young man from the tribe of Judah stole gold and silver and so on, and a garment from Shinar, which is very silly. Uh, thank God the authors of the Bible did not ask me to edit. I would have eliminated that. <laughs> because what is it doing there? It is doing precisely what Afar is doing in Genesis. It's not the garment that is important. It's its origin. It's from Shinar. Okay? Next time, I'm going to send you on a private jet to Shinar. <laughs> and you can stay with your garment there. It's so powerful. But again, friends, to come back to this thing, because it's my hope that the people would really rehear every time the Bible. They have to go again and again and again and again. It's like very often, you know, you watch part one on TV since I mentioned, and then you travel and so on, and you have taped it, and you come to part two. 
Notice how the programs of Netflix and Amazon Prime you have resume or play from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so that you would be sent because the TV show is already there. So it's really nice. I'm really happy that I got this opportunity to deal with this because it gets us into the story of the exodus and the law and then the passing again of the waters and then the law becomes very important. Here again, Ezekiel is very important because he mentioned the river and the sea and so on and the tree of life. But I mean, in this podcast, I cannot go wider than, but I'm inviting the people. That's what I do. If you recall in the classroom, I would throw extra elements, not so much to be discussed now, but for the people to realize that this is how scripture functions. And the more you know it, the more you will be ready to be its recipient, not its controller, to slap the theologians, including myself, in the face. You don't use scripture to build up a bio and a folder by writing papers and books. But we all do that. <laughs> no, scripture is scripture. You have to keep rehearing it. And hopefully in the original, as some of your parishioners, Father Mark, will be doing starting September. They will be doing it in a very special way. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.